live from the Poly Market Studio in LA. It's the Young Turks. Drop it like a bombshell Supreme Court announcement. Welcome one and all to the power panel with me, John Arola, and very lucky to be joined on this first hour by the Senator herself, Nina Turner. Welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Glad to have you here and Jackson White once again. Jackson, I feel like we are like just permanent co-hosts on the first hour of the power panel. Yeah, that, that's how it's been working out. You know, I said to myself, I was like, I, I need to be on with John Moore. It always goes <laughs> well. But then now every time I've been on for the last, I don't know, three or four times, it's been us. And we got Senator Nina Turner on. This is just a beautiful surprise. I didn't know who it was gonna be tonight, but I'm quite uh, quite satisfied. Very pleasant surprise. I don't think anyone thought that our prior team-ups were missing anything, but if they were missing something. Thing. She's here now. So very glad yes. to have both of you here, particularly because you know, some days you come to the news and it's just, it's not there. It doesn't have the juice. And sometimes you have just enough news. Sometimes you have way too much news. We have yes. so much news to get to, so much to discuss. So everyone, buckle in, buckle up. Hope you've got a drink because we're going to get into this thing. That was smooth. Let's get it out of the way in the, in the beginning. The Supreme Court has announced that they will be weighing in on Colorado's controversial removal of Donald Trump from the GOP primary ballot. As you probably already know, both Colorado as a result of a decision from their Supreme Court, as well as Maine due to a decision from the Democratic Secretary of State have removed him from the ballot. And we've been expecting that the Supreme Court is going to weigh in. And also understanding that they kind of have to weigh in at this point. This is exactly what the Supreme Court is for. Well, they will be determining the viability of that decision. And we don't have to wait too long for it. Oral arguments are scheduled for February 8th. We don't know how long those will go on. We don't know how long after that we'll have to wait for a final decision. But considering that February 8th is already after a couple of the GOP primary dates. They can't really wait that long. Um, this is this uncertainty could lead to more states removing him from the ballot. There is always the possibility that Biden could be in some underhanded way that strains the definition of the 14th Amendment removed. So the SCOTUS has a responsibility and a duty to weigh in, and they are finally announcing that they will do that. I want to start with you, Senator Nina Turner. Um, what do you expect about this? Are you surprised? How do you expect uh, them to, to finally rule? No, I'm not. I'm not surprised, John. And as you mentioned, they have to weigh in on this. We're at a critical juncture right now. I, I really suspect that they're going to say that the states don't have the right to bump him off the ballot. We know that that United States Supreme Court is really stacked with his nominees, but this is this is unprecedented. And since he hasn't been convicted of anything in terms of the insurrection. This is pretty complicated. I want people to put aside how they feel about Donald J. Trump, and I know how many in our audience probably feels, and ask the question about whether or not this is the way to go about it. We know that in, in Colorado and Maine, we know Democrats are in control of what is happening here, and it makes it very easy for Trump to say, see, told you these Democrats are rigging the system. So this it, it is not a good look. And lastly, People, the, the vote should be the determination about whether or not somebody should have the ability to run or even win, more importantly, should be left up to the voters. Again, this has nothing to do with whether I feel like Donald J. Trump should be president again or not. It really is about does this set up a terrible precedent that will impact other candidates, not just Donald J. Trump into the future? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, given that this is a rather unprecedented situation, it's, you know, easy to say that they'll probably go ahead and uh, let Trump off. But I know uh, how Colorado was settled and Maine was settled happened a bit differently, technically. But, you know, again, right now, uh, the Supreme Court really does need to step in. Otherwise, we're just going to have state after state that makes a decision. I saw the other day, um, Illinois, uh, five voters want, uh, wanted to have him off the ballot. So it's it's really time for the Supreme Court to step in. But the, the thing about it, though, is that Donald Trump in court, you know, he can say what he wants and the polls are showing what they're showing. But in court, he doesn't have a case. I mean, his whole case is I can do whatever I want because I was president. And that's really not boding well. He's losing all of his appeals. He's really not doing well um, in any of this. So even if the Supreme Court lets him stay on, he's going to be on trial this entire year. So we're just getting started with uh, seeing a bunch of craziness and how everything is going to blow up. Uh, we're just at the beginning of it. But I, I mean, we'll just have to sit back and see what happens. Yeah, see what happens and see uh, how it happens. Um, because there's a number of different ways that the Supreme Court, if they did end up allowing him to remain on the ballot, which I, like Nina and, and probably I'm assuming Jackson, feel free to weigh in if you don't think so, uh, believe that they will rule that he should be on the ballot. Uh, even if they do that, there are a variety of different ways that they can do it. And the the long-term consequences in terms of what precedent is being set very much could be determined by that. Um, are they going to have it come down to the definition of insurrection or the definition of involved in an insurrection? Uh, is it gonna come down to the fact that they think that it shouldn't apply to the president or is it that they're not going to actually weigh in on the definition of those words or the intent of those who wrote section three and instead simply say, political question, blah, 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 we're gonna leave it to the voters. There's a variety of different ways that they can do it. And I believe Jackson, it was you and I that talked about how in Bush v. Gore, they like explicitly said, we're we're not going to be trying to set a precedent here. This applies to this particular case. It's possible that they could do that as well. So as I said, February 8th, we don't have long to wait. I have a feeling the eyes of the nation will be on that and we're gonna be dissecting the arguments that both teams lawyers make as well as how the Supreme Court responds. With that said, we have semi related news as well, more breaking news for you. Breaking news involving longtime Trump stooge Roger Stone, who is now alleged according to a report by Mediate, to have told an NYPD officer to abduct and punish a prosecutor that was involved with the Mueller investigation. So here is what is being alleged as of right now. This takes place back in December of 2020. Stone was at that time working on the effort to overturn the election. In audio from that time reviewed by Mediate, Stone can be heard at his Florida condo speaking with Sal Greco, who is an NYPD officer and served as security for Stone. So Greco would soon after that be fired by the NYPD for his ties to Roger Stone. Um, So that didn't work out well for him, but let's focus on what happened before he was canned. In the audio, the pair discuss Aaron Zielinski, a prosecutor who served as a deputy to former special counsel Robert Mueller and who led the case against Stone. Stone in the audio tells Greco, he needs to be punished. You have to abduct him and punish him. That has to be done. It will be easy to abduct him because he is a weakling. So look, the content of that horrifying, the way that it's delivered characteristically Batman villain. Uh, Original live action television series to be clear. Um, But anyway, Roger Stone was asked about this and both he and Greco deny uh, what the media report reveals. Roger Stone said, and this is his defense, you must have been subjected to another AI generated audio track. I never said any such thing, okay? A source familiar with conversations between Stone and Greco said he talked many times about the election not going our way. They're going to steal it. We have to be prepared to get straight to the violence. That was his theme, get to the violence. He didn't think Trump would win. He was pushing for violence because he thinks the entire system is rigged. And they also said that Roger Stone holds a vendetta forever. Aaron Zelinsky is top of his list. So his defense is, hey, it's AI generated. And I have been warning since the beginning of AI sort of coming to you know popular consciousness here and saying that the issue with these deep fake videos being released is not just the fake videos that are made. It is the fact that fake videos are made. So real videos and audio tracks can simply be claimed as, yeah, it's probably one of those. There's no way to prove it. 
Um, I don't know how you would prove that this audio was original, perhaps the fact that it comes from 2020 before a lot of these tools were available. But it is a very easy thing to hide behind and hard to disprove. We kind of just have to go with what we know of Roger Stone. And look, this certainly seems to fit in with his behavior, although that of course is not proof. Jackson, what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, it's right in line with something that Roger Stone would do, a guy who has Richard Nixon tattooed on his backside and basically revels in the brand of I'm here to cause trouble. But like you pointed out, uh, and it's a good point, you can always hide behind the fact that uh, AI technology is what it is now. Even if public opinion is completely against you, even if everybody you know, kind of figures that you actually said something, you can always hide behind it. But another thing too is that you know, unless the law, unless law enforcement really wants to go after you, sometimes people can hide behind their brand of being just low down individuals. For instance, like Donald Trump's a good example. Like we're so overexposed to all the stuff that he said and all the things that he's done that it's just kind of like another Tuesday, another Wednesday. So Roger Stone's kind of the same. Like hearing that he mentioned something along these lines, it's like, oh, it's just another thing for Roger Stone. Hmm. It, it, so, it, you know, it, it kind of doesn't draw that much interest other than original conversation. But hey, you know, it is what it is. Well, note to self, blame it on AI. Right. We're not blaming it on interns anymore. We're going <laughs> to blame it on AI. Exactly. <laughs> the moral of the story. No, I, I mean, seemingly, and we are all being very clear, what seems to be true may not necessarily be true. It hasn't been absolutely proven. However, yes, uh, Roger Stone has a modus of operandi. And does this seem like this is something he would say and do? I mean, they were inebriated with power. We know that there's a saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And absolutely, we know that Roger Stone and many others uh, swirling around the, the, the Trump camp are and were corrupt. Is it out of the out of out of pace with Roger Stone's MO that he would say something like that to a member of law enforcement? No. Is it shameful if he did do it? Yes. Because to believe that they would abuse power in that way to to say these people got to be dealt with, they got to be dealt with violently. And let's, by the way, let's make sure one of these people come up missing. I yeah. mean, that's that's a whole lot of audacity right there. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, by the way, uh, look, because I'm you know, the host, I, I think I should be first to apologize for the B-roll that was played during that. Clearly our producers had AI generated images of Roger Stone wearing absolutely ridiculous sunglasses. I apologize to Mr. Stone. I know that you would never, obviously you wouldn't wear those glasses out and about. We're using mid-journey to generate the images. See, we can do it with anything. Roger Rabbit, what's the villain's name from Roger Rabbit? <laughs> 100% and that was Christopher <laughs> Lloyd, Roger Stone wishes he was Christopher <laughs> Lloyd. But anyway, um, Roger Stone has been caught saying similar things before. He was previously caught on video making violent remarks around the 2020 election saying F the voting, let's get straight to the violence, shoot to kill. He was recorded saying the day before the election by a documentary crew. Stone claimed those videos were fake as well. This was a documentary crew. That he was allowing to embed with him, he said it to them and then just claimed after the coup was unsuccessful and they did not have control of the United States that it was fake. It is, it's a garbage defense. It's not intended to persuade, it's intended to muddy the waters a little bit. And I would remind everyone that, like, the fact that there's going to be this easy proliferation of AI generation for text, video, audio, the multimodal, the integration of all those things. It might seem like, oh, that's bad for everybody. But is it actually bad for everybody? Is it bad for the left and for the right? Who thinks that people gradually growing to be able to trust even less the things they hear and see and read on the internet might lead to universal healthcare? or free public college. Who thinks those sorts of things will be the political results of increasing misinformation, disinformation and people you know, voting and choosing candidates based on utter nonsense? No, it is chaos that will be produced by that. And chaos benefits those who are already winning. It benefits the status quo. And so those who've already written the tax code the way they like it, that already have a Congress that can't function. If, if, it, if it's so hard to challenge that because you can't organize, 
It's so easy to take down insert actual insurgent candidates by generating insane videos of them. I think that this very much is going to be yet another tool used by those who are already powerful, already wealthy, already in political power to make sure that there's no effective challenge to, to their power. And when they are caught doing absolutely reprehensible things, saying reprehensible things, it's an easy evasion as well. And for people like us, it's not gonna be convincing. But what right winger isn't going to instantly buy that Roger Stone didn't actually say that, that it was AI. And fundamentally, they don't care because they want people in Trump's orbit to be saying things like this. So that's my fear. Nina, what do you think about this? Any disagreement? No, I agree with you. It just reminds me of the Wizard of Oz, the theme there. You know, don't, don't, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what this really is, is about. Any final thoughts, Jackson? More flat earthers. That's what's going to happen with the AI revolution. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of good things will come from it, but you know, it's it's pros and cons with everything. So I guess it's good that we're aware of what could go wrong uh, this early in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like versus social media, there's a lot of good things, but like in the 15 years or so that apps blew up, now we got all this metadata we're looking back on, like, oh, we kind of got to go outside and have real relationships. So at least be on top of it early. Yeah. 100%. Anyway, we're going to have more. 2024 is going to be the year of AI and also AI used as a cheap smokescreen. So we're going to be talking about a lot. So everyone get ready for that. With that said, we are going to take our first break of the hour. But when we come back, the Republican primary is really heating up. And we're going to give you some of the ways that happened at last night's town hall after this. back one and all, we've got the power panel going and more news, let's get into it. I can just tell you this, if you nominate me, I'll get elected, I'll serve, and we won't even be discussing these issues. We'll be discussing your issues. You're not gonna be have to worry about my conduct. I'll conduct myself in a way you can be proud of. I'll conduct myself in a way you can tell your kids, you know, that's somebody that you should emulate. And we will have success as a result of that. We're about a week away from the Iowa caucuses and Ron DeSantis has now taken shots at Donald Trump. And by shots, I mean implying that his conduct is acceptable. And I guess the implication is that Trump's are not, he's not saying it. He's not specifically attacking things that Trump has said or done. He doesn't wanna do that because then the MAGA world might turn against him. But he'll say that kids will look up to him. I don't think that's in the cards necessarily, Ron. But Ron does have to make big moves, okay? He's trailing Trump in Iowa by 30 points. So that's pretty rough. So both he and Nikki Haley have got to try to like shake the boat a little bit, see if they can get something to happen. Um, And DeSantis has apparently found some areas that he wants to criticize Trump on and some that he doesn't. Some where he feels free and some where he feels hemmed in uh, by the political situation. So he did say Democrats want Trump to be the candidate. They're gonna talk about all the legal stuff, January 6th. That will be what the election uh, will be all about. You don't want it to be a referendum on Trump in the past. Which is the closest he can come legally to criticizing Trump on trying to overthrow the election. He'll say the Democrats want to talk about it. He can't talk about it because then that implies that he thinks that Biden legitimately won the election. But he's found sort of a shortcut. And he has actually found policy that he can disagree with Trump on. Here's a little bit of that. Do you think Donald Trump is not pro-life? Of course not. I mean, when you're saying that pro-life protections are a terrible thing, by definition, you are not pro-life. When you say that you want to have a federal law at 18 weeks or 20 weeks that would override a state like Iowa that has enacted pro-life protections, that would mean more abortions, not less abortions, because very few abortions are happening that late anyways. So he has flip-flopped on this issue. I don't know if it's because of political convenience or this is all where he always believed in. But here's the thing, some issues are pretty fundamental. How do you flip-flop on something like the sanctity of life? I don't know, I can think of a few different ways. Ron DeSantis can think of a few ways. He can stress how anti-abortion he is and then not really give a damn when kids are being gunned down in his state. 
you know, he can talk about abortion on the one hand, and then he can allow over 80,000 people to needlessly die of COVID in this state. You can flip flop in a few different ways, Ron DeSantis. Just you know, stretch your mind a little bit. But anyway, I want to go to our panel. Nina, he is attempting to pitch Donald Trump, who of course is the guy who brought you the Supreme Court that overturned Roe v. Wade as being not sufficiently against abortion. What do you think about that as a strategy? I mean, he's grasping. And Donald Trump is running away with this election. And the man is just throwing stuff at the wall at this point to see if it can stick. And the sanctity of life, and I'm so glad that you named a few of those things, John. I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is the dude that wasted Floridians' taxpayer dollars to fly migrants out of the state into Martha's Vineyard, using them as political pawns. This is also the dude that believes that a black enslaved people gained valuable skills under slavery that then they yeah. could use. I mean, this is this dude right here. It just, the man, he's not going to win the primary. And it's really quite telling that former President Donald J. Trump is running away with this primary election, even with everything that he has hanging over his head. These people cannot, cannot advance beyond this this man. And Ron DeSantis is a coward, just, just a flat out coward. And I know I'm leaving out one other thing I wanted to say about him. Oh, what my other point, John, I wanted to make. And this is the man that, that waged war against Disney. You don't want to get into a fight with Minnie and Mickey Mouse talking about he wants to be somebody that somebody's kids can look up to. Ron DeSantis, I got a, I got, I got a clue for you, baby. It is not you. And he is not going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. Just not. I think that's the easy money at this point, 100%. Jackson, what do you think? Yeah, not only is he not going to be the nominee for the Republican Party, but he's also lost a lot of his popularity in Florida. Um, but just generally speaking, if you just look at the beginning of that, even before he got to the abortion, he should have had that type of strength and fervor from the very beginning of the primary election. It just would have looked better. One of the biggest reasons that so many of these candidates can't you know, beat Trump. One, can't nobody Trump but Trump. And that's the most important thing. Nobody can Trump but Trump. But two, they don't really try. They don't look like they try. They look like they're trying to be his VP. But at the end of the day, Donald Trump is just a man. And if Ron DeSantis would have been able to bring that type of strength early on, he was the one who was projected to beat Trump in the first place. He had every he had the red carpet laid out for him. Now, again, we got the policy stuff where he's slipping up and he himself is a big disaster. But I think that, you know, it's just constant examples are too little too late. The Republican Party or the establishment allowed Donald Trump to take it over and now they really can't do anything about it. 100%. Yeah, uh, they really don't, they don't seem to, to have any interest in doing what it takes to actually beat him. It reminds me of there was the character in the office who was gonna put himself up for manager. And he said he doesn't really have any hope of getting it. He's just going to give it the old college try and then be graceful in defeat. I think it was Andy. That's 100%, this is Andy energy from Ron DeSantis. Except he will not be graceful in defeat. I have, I have a feeling that when he steps off that stage, there's a lot of tears that you don't get to see as he takes off his heels. Anyway, um, Nikki Haley has to make up a lot of ground against Donald Trump in Iowa. New Hampshire is a little bit closer. She sees sort of an opening there. And so she's gonna focus on attacking Donald Trump on sort of chaos and how emotional he can be. Watch this. I personally think President Trump was the right president at the right time. I agree with a lot of his policies. But the reality is, rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. And we all know that's true, chaos follows him. And we can't have a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. And you don't defeat Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. You said rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. Is it rightly or wrongly? Does, is both. he the one who causes that chaos or is he just the unwitting victim? It's both. I mean, you see a lot of these cases they've brought against him are political in nature. And there's no basis on it. And then you see some that he's gonna have to answer for. 
But look, I, I'm not telling you anything I used to tell him. I used to tell him he's his own worst enemy. And so I think at the end of the day, we don't need anyone who's getting in their feelings. We don't need anyone that's getting personal about anything. We have a country to save. And that means no more drama. Okay, I, I respect her trying to sort of turn around the, the everyday misogyny that you see on the right by presenting Trump as a guy who's too emotional to lead or whatever. But aside from that, that was terrible. And it's exactly what we've been talking about. That these are not serious attempts to beat him. You're he rightly or wrongly, which is it? Both. It's both. I'm not gonna say what. And you know, some of that stuff, um, it just sort of happened to him. And then there are other things that He'll have to answer for. I mean, who's Nikki Haley to point out which those are? She's only trying to defeat him in a presidential race. You just move on. You're, you're saying that he has left chaos around the world in his wake. And some of those things he'll have to answer for. Cite your sources, you're trying to beat this guy. And if you don't beat him, you're done in the Republican Party. Do they not know what the stakes are here? Maybe she's got a backroom deal with him to be VP. That I think does really explain the behavior that we're seeing here. Because if I was an employee working for Nikki Haley, if I was a donor to Nikki Haley, I would have some harsher questions than Aaron Burnett for her based on what we're seeing. Nina, what do you think of Haley's I mean, shots she- at him? She's just trying to seem reasonable. And the reason why, John, they won't go for the juggler, first of all, as Jackson pointed out, they can't out Trump Trump. Secondly, though, they want his voters just in case. And they know that just in case something has to happen to Donald J. Trump for there to be a just in case for these people. So they're hedging just in case they don't want to alienate the Trump mega following. Just in case something happens and that they can emerge as a stronger contender in that primary. That is why, and the woman has no conviction. I mean, right president at the right time in 2020, but chaos follows him everywhere he goes. Which is it, Governor Haley? Because you cannot, you absolutely cannot have it both ways. Either he's an agent of chaos and was never good for this country, which is hard for her to say since she served under him or with him. She can't say that. But you cannot say it's no more time for chaos and he takes things personally. Hell, we need not him. But if more elected officials took what was happening to their constituencies personally, maybe we would move some legislation that changes material conditions. 100%. Jackson, what do you think? Not only does she lack conviction, but another reason that Republicans can't effectively go after Trump is because they will be going after themselves. Because you you look at them and it's like, oh, I voted with Trump 98% of the time, 87% of the time. So they can't really do it because they're the ones also who push for the culture wars constantly. Yeah. But you know, if there was somebody with conviction, and again, it would be effective because Donald Trump, all you said, look, he's a joke, he's a clown. While he was in office, the entire country shut down for a whole year and millions of people lost their jobs. He didn't do anything but tweet and golf. And just go through and just what? Well, see, again, if you talk about the tax cut, that's what they wanted. But other than that, they could say that's all he did. He did nothing else. He had no replacement for Obamacare. Donald Trump is legitimately about to run one of the worst general election campaigns anyone has ever seen. And he's just going to he's just going to like all of a sudden it's like, whoa, his campaign really sucks. And y'all could have been saying this for months, but you didn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, Lindsey Graham's quote, I will never stop saying it. What he says, something about if we let Donald Trump win, he'll destroy the party or something along those lines. And it's the truth because what are you going to do after Donald Trump? Even if he wins in 2024, there's got to be a next. The dude's in his, you know, he's the same age as Joe Biden at the end of the day, pretty much. So yeah, it, it's just a political disaster that unfortunately we all have to suffer through. Yeah, you, that was, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned the Lindsey Graham quote. I have not thought about that in a little yeah. while. Um, yeah. and, and I think it was if we choose him as the nominee. But I would add, if you choose him as the nominee, and then all of you spend the next four years helping to buttress the narratives that uh, any of his failures on policy are caused by the deep state, any of the crimes he's committed, he's being framed for, any bad news that comes out about him, that's the fake news media. They all constructed a suit of Iron Man armor for him. That any criticism or consequences he's immune from, they built that. 
It was Lindsey Graham and Nikki Haley and Chris Christie and Ron DeSantis and all of those who just laid down and kissed his feet for four years. They produced the behemoth that they can't take down and don't seem to even be trying. And the race isn't over anything. She could do well in New Hampshire or something. This thing isn't over, but I feel like Andy is getting ready to sing closing time. And they don't seem to understand how, how close to done this thing is. That said, I don't want to get off of Nikki Haley just yet. We're going to jump in in a sec to our next block. So why don't we transition to that? Nikki Haley continues to flail following her controversial Civil War comments. And last night's CNN town hall did not help matters at all. Take a look. I should have said slavery right off the bat. But if you grow up in South Carolina, Literally in second and third grade, you learn about slavery. You grow up and you have, you know, I had black friends growing up. It is a very talked about thing. We have a big history in South Carolina when it comes to, you know, slavery, when it comes to all the things that happened with the Civil War, all that. I was over, I was thinking past slavery and talking about the lesson that we would learn going forward. Okay, it continues to be a bad defense of you not talking about slavery by saying, no, I was I was too smart for the question. I was 10 steps past it, I was doing my dissertation. I will remind everyone, when the guy in the audience said, do you wanna say something about slavery? She said, what do you want me to say about slavery? She was angry that he had brought it up. He did not remind her of something that she thought was obvious. She found it to be inconvenient that he mentioned it. But we're gonna forget about that bad part of the answer. Because she, as John noticed, slipped in, I had black friends growing up. Which is a thing that we've heard before. And generally, I'm gonna start with you, Nina. When you're accused of racism and you bring out the point that you have black friends, generally that solves everyone's problems, right? Woo, John, it would seem that, let me just quote Dr. Cornell West, our vanilla sisters and brothers and family and friends seem to think that that solves their problem by them being able to say, but I got a black friend or even some will say, well, I was married to a black person or I am married to the It is absolutely insulting. It is ridiculous. Black people are not here to be the props of, of, of white people who all of a sudden find themselves in these situations or people of other color because Nikki Haley's heritage is certainly not white, even though, you know, Ask her, she she might not necessarily tell you her entire heritage. The point of the matter is just answer the question. Well, just admit you answered the question poorly. You should have said slavery from the back and just leave it at that. You can't move past slavery. You know, just the nerve of her to think that she has the power and the capacity. Just we just gonna move past it like it's some trivial thing. Or to say, well, this is South Carolina. We learned that in the second or third grade. That makes it even worse, uh, former governor Nikki Haley. Because if you learned about it in the second or third grade, then God knows you shouldn't have gave the answer that you have given. But the fact of the matter is, is that she does not want it's dog whistle time. So she doesn't want to tell the truth to to hurt the frailty of certain white voters in this country who do not want to come to grips with the horrible, horrendous nature of chattel slavery in the United States of America. Further, South Carolina was a major slave port. This woman knows this. Further, it wasn't her. She's never exhibited any type of courage. It was it was Bree Newsom who took the flag down, actually, not her that forced her hand after what Dylan Roof did in Mother Emanuel Church. So this woman is delusional and the fact that she got away with that nonsense on CNN just makes me even, it even it just triggers me even more, uh, Jackson and John, really, it really does. They should have hammered her on that. But you know why they didn't? Because black pain doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. You can't move past it. This country has not atoned for it. Former slave owners in the Confederate South, South Carolina was the first state to cede the union, but that woman knows that. But those slave holders receive reparations. But here we are in the 21st century and black folks can't even, they, they won't even pass a bill that says study it. Yeah. Less known 
atone for it by giving the descendants of enslaved black people in the United States of America the reparations that are owed. The woman is a joke and this is not this. I mean, she shouldn't get away with it and she should not be able to try to kind of gloss over it. And then the black friend, no lady, black people don't want to be your props. And that's not just for her. Let me repeat that again, because there are far too many folks when they find themselves in situations like this, want to throw out the I got a black friend card. Obviously, you ain't talking to your black friends because if they if you were, they would caution you. Jackson. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like when people are like homophobic or something and they're like, well, my brother's gay or I got gay cousins or something like that. At the end of the day, it, it doesn't change that you were wrong about whatever it is that you said or whatever it is that you did. And it shows uh, just better character, even the people who may not want to hear it to say I was wrong. I didn't you know, I shouldn't have said that. And the And the most ironic thing about it all is that if Nikki Haley would have just from the jump said, well, the Civil War was fought over slavery. Like she could have kept it real simple. She wouldn't have had to go into the ins and outs and how terrible it was and how it functioned. She wouldn't have had to say none of that. She could have just been like, Civil War was fought over slavery and the Union won and we got rid of it. Like she could have kept it that simple. It would have been like, oh, well, it was a bit more complicated than that, but we wouldn't be talking about it today. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, slavery was the 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 engine and the glue of the nation. It, it's it's what brought the nation together. It's what allowed it not just to function, but to stay one place so much to the point that a war was fought over. So it's it's a simple answer. But, uh, you know, I you still the, the lost causes are still trying. They are. And just one more point to this. It is it is the capitalism it is the reason why they didn't end it. And it is the reason why this nation is a hegemonic nation to this very day. Haley knows it and all these other people who just want to race because they don't want to hurt people's feelings. I mean, John and Jackson, we're not talking about a color palette here, like the differences between paint colors here. We're talking about a peculiar institution that enslaved Africans and then their African American or Black American descendants for generations. That's what we're talking about. But you hear somebody like Nikki Haley talk about, it, she act like we're talking about a walk in the park. It is absolutely insulting yeah. to the African American community and the history that this country still has not, the damage that this country still has not atoned for. Yeah. Yeah, a walk in the park or something that is interesting in a philosophical way or an economic way or something. Yeah, 100%. And the defense that, yeah, it's it's obvious. Everybody knows that. I don't need to say it. To talk to some of the MAGA movement people, see if they think that it's so obvious. That's your side. If anyone is going to educate them, is it not the leaders on their side? That said, we have to be fair to Nikki Haley. She was asked about this after the town hall. So I'm going to play her response to concerns that she was being unwise in what she said there. And then I want to get a quick response from each of you about whether it improves the situation at all. So here's that video. There were some critics that that criticized your comments last night about having black friends as sort of a, using it a trope. I don't know what you're implying with that, but what I will tell you is saying that I had black friends is a source of pride. Saying that I had white friends is a source of pride. If you want to know what it was like growing up, I was disqualified from a beauty pageant because I wasn't white or black because they didn't know where to put me. So look, I know the hardships, the pain that come with racism. It's the reason that I fight bullies every day when it comes to racism, anti-Semitism, or hate, and I always will. If I didn't mention slavery on that day, it's because that's an automatic. There's always been, the Civil War's always been known about slavery. I misread it and thought he was looking for a bigger answer going forward. So critics can say whatever they want. I'm very comfortable in my skin. I'm very comfortable with what I believe in. And my job is not to convince them. Jump in. The idea that I thought he was looking for a bigger answer going forward. He asked why was the Civil War fought? 
He didn't say 75 years after the conclusion of the Civil War, what were the, the economic and pop cultural consequences of it? He asked her a question that might have even been designed to be a gotcha, but only a gotcha because he read that she would not be willing to stand up to racists in her own party who want to pretend that slavery wasn't that bad, it wasn't core to the Civil War, it was really about liberties or something philosophical, something vague and abstract. And by the way, slavery wasn't as bad as you were taught. Slaves learned, as Nina pointed out, DeSantis had said useful skills and things like that. And so I don't like your response, but I do, Nina, I wanna start with you. Did that help at all? No, not at all, it made it worse. The woman just needs to just let this go. Just tell folks, look, from here on out, I'm just not even gonna answer any more questions. I'm gonna say what I said and let it go. Cuz she's just digging a deeper and deeper hole. She talked about a, a damn beauty pageant is the example that she gives for struggle. Give me a break. She mentioned nothing about anti-blackness. See, people get this twisted. There is racism globally, but there's a particular racism that black people have to endure, and it's anti-black racism. Did not say a word about that. Then she did this both sides answer. Having black friends is a source of pride. Well, newsflash, Governor Haley, black people ain't trying to be your source of pride. But then she she could have left it there, but oh no, she had to do that. And why white, you know, my, my white friends are sensitive. Surprise too. I can't with this woman, John. Let's just go on to Jackson. I just I, I cannot with her. Yeah, it really ain't nothing else to say. I mean, after this, after this election go around, she not gonna really be seen that much or talked about much because she ain't got nothing to offer. And uh, you know, she hasn't been able to distinguish herself from Trump, so that'll, you know, further bury her into the halls of irrelevancy. But um, yeah, just I agree with Nina. She should have just been quiet and just just left it alone because, there, you know, listen. There's a lot of power in saying I'm sorry, my bad, I was wrong. Like I'm telling you, it, it goes such a long way. And it's interesting how people fight it. We fight so hard against being like I'm sorry, but th- those are some magic words. If you mean it, you got to mean it though. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But uh, but yeah, she uh. She's Nikki Haley, is what she does. Who changed her name? But anyway, yeah, I know. Right. We yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what you're implying with that. She said you were using a trope. She wasn't implying anything. She said it. What about? Right, and then she did, said, did "What about slavery?" Right? She asked of the man. He said, "Oh no." And she said, "What about it?" Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a joke. Anyway, um, that's all the jokes we have time for in this segment. We're gonna take a short break. We come back. Marjorie Green had big plans for January sixth. It's not working out quite the way she expected. We'll break it down after this. Welcome back one and all. Before we jump back into the news and we do have a great story to talk about. I do wanna thank some members of the audience who are being very generous. A dog formerly known as Cat gifted five memberships to the Young Turks. And O Beach Babe 21 gifted 20 memberships. Thank you for that, very nice of you to do that for someone. You don't even know who it's gonna to go to to help expand the audience, make sure that people tapped into what's going on. So I do appreciate that. And with that, why don't we talk about a pretty wild story. <clears throat> I hope you know that tomorrow is January 6th, the pretty infamous day in recent American history. It will be the third anniversary, after all, of the storming of the Capitol, the attempt to overturn the results of the 2020 election. And for some conservatives, it is a day not to be remembered, to try to learn lessons from, but to be commemorated, to take advantage of. And Marjorie Green is one who tried to do that. So she had this event. Uh, This is first first reported by NBC News that was promoted to local Republicans as an exclusive event with Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene at the Westgate Resorts. The event details said the occasion was the third anniversary of January 6th. Um, Now initially, the event was pitched as just like a book signing thing, but it, it eventually like people caught on that this is not the extent of it. And the event was canceled by Westgate Resorts. They did not wanna be involved in this. And I think there's, there's good cause. So here is some of the documentation that was going around for the event. It says general admission will receive a book and be able to hear Marjorie Green speak. VIPs will get their pictures with Marjorie Green and receive preferred seating 
Executive VIPs will be invited to a special private briefing on J6 and DC. So the event was canceled. I don't know if they're gonna be able to come up with another venue by tomorrow, but I just wanna pause on that note. And I wanna go to you, Jackson. We know what Marjorie Greene has said about January 6th in public. What do you think she would say in private to people who had just given her a bunch of money? Probably much of the same because she's out of her mind and she's the same person constantly. So I don't really think she would say much of anything different. Maybe she would curse a little bit more and say like spicy words. But like she just strikes me as someone who's always on the same tune. So like I I don't really think there would be uh, much of anything different. But this is to no surprise. I mean, anybody who has any type of healthy brand or reputation to protect wouldn't want an event like this on January 6th. I mean, it's just going to bring you all types of scrutiny that you really don't need. Um, And it's quite obvious too what you're signaling trying to have the event on that day. And ain't nobody nobody buying her book anyway. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, I, I think that she's definitely one of the craziest people that we have in Congress for sure. Nina, what do you think? I mean, next she's they're gonna be trying to erect monuments to these people from January 6th. That's next, mm-hmm. following the tradition of what happened uh, with the Confederacy in this country. The, the venue was absolutely right to do it. It is is it's a dangerous undertaking. It, anything could have happened there, and they were absolutely wise to say, "Nope, Marjorie Taylor Greene, not here, and not on this day." You know, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the monuments because there is, I think there's good reason to believe that, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, we could have something like that. I would remind everyone, I mean, most people probably know, but like we, we have all these national conversations about the monuments, like for Confederate, like war heroes or whatever. Most of those were not made back then. They were That's made right. decades later by people That's who right. were trying to rewrite the history of it. Um, the Confederate flag, wasn't that popular right after the Civil War. It was picked up by people who wanted to romanticize the effort to destroy the country and continue slavery way after the conflict was over. So I think Nina, I think you're 100% right. Someday we, we could have people who try to pick this up, um, you know, stop the steal and J6 and make America great again, long after Donald Trump has keeled over on the toilet. But anyway, um, I do wanna talk about the other side of this. And, and I would just really fast say, I understand that Marjorie Greene, if you were to ask her, would never admit that this was a horrendous act that Donald Trump was culpable for or anything like that. But regardless, she says that they were patriots. She knows that many of them are conservatives. That's why she has a problem with the fact that they're in solitary confinement. So even if she thinks it just got out of control, multiple people died. One of their protesters or whatever was shot dead. And she's doing an event on the day. Like imagine if, like a bunch of Bernie fans got together and everything got way out of control and having nothing to do with Bernie Sanders or whatever, something happened where multiple people died. And then every year we did a big event on that day. Would we not look like monsters? And yet she's not seen by the right as a monster and they're all gonna have events on that day. And I'm not saying that you can't do an event. If it's to try to, again, like I said, learn lessons from that day, make sure that it never happens. I think that makes sense. And in fact, that is what Joe Biden is doing. So he's sort of formally launching his campaign near Valley Forge on January 6th. He's gonna give a big speech. You know, He's been giving a speech today, actually. He's gonna be talking about political violence and extremism and fascism and the fight to you know, protect democracy. And obviously we, we have a lot to criticize Joe Biden for and we do frequently. But there's like there are January 6th events and then there are January 6th celebrations. And the fact that the right already feels free to do the latter, I just find to be so sick. Nina, I wanna I want start with you. Um, what do you think about Joe Biden's plans to, to give this speech? I don't know. I mean, yeah, January 6th was horrible. And what is happening in this country to this very moment and what's happening in the world is horrible too. And so, John, unless he's going to address all of those things, I don't know. I mean, just giving a speech, as far as I'm concerned, I have not been impressed with any of the speeches that he has given, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I mean, the speech he should be given at this moment as we look back on January 6th is what is happening in the Middle East. What is happening in the Congo? 
you know, what is happening in Sudan, what is happening in the world and how that type of energy and synergy is destructive to humanity. So I think he lacks the moral standing really to say anything about January 6th. Jackson. Well, I think again, I agree. I think it's going to be one of many speeches that he gives this year. And, um, you know, he's not like a, a great orator or anything like that. He never has been. So I don't think it's going to really make headlines. The way I see it, this election is just boils down to Joe Biden not losing enough votes in the end. I, I, yeah, I don't see people flocking to Trump. That's people aren't going to flock to Trump. It's going to be a matter of if Biden doesn't lose enough votes in the end. Um, so, I mean, I, I would this is one of the most ratchet elections of my lifetime. Hmm. I mean, we got Donald Trump, who is just beyond words. And then we got Biden, who's, you know, kind of not really there. But to me, this kind of symbolizes the end of the Reagan Clinton era. And that doesn't mean that the corruption and stuff is gone. But just in terms of the people who were at the helm of it, they're in their 80s now. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. the ultimate silver lining for me is that we have a lot of room and opportunity to get better people in offices from the top all the way down, federally, state, locally, all of that. Um, There's a lot of room for Gen X, Gen uh, Y, and Gen Z to get our behinds up in office. So um, I'm looking very much looking forward to getting out the vote, not just for this election, but for all of these elections, because there's so much going on. It's, it's a great point. I mean, you know, control the House, obviously, super important. Um, difficult Senate map for the Democrats is a lot of races, even if the, you know, the presidential race doesn't get you fired up. And I think there's a lot of reason that it wouldn't for many people, particularly leftists. There are a lot of races, local races, school board races, a lot, um, let alone ballot initiatives and all that, a lot of stuff to, to focus on. Uh, I, so I like the direction that you took there, Jackson, and it is a productive one. I would just remind everyone that while this should be the last election that looks like this, if Donald Trump loses, and if his arteries hang in there, he could run in four years. I mean, he'll maintain control of that party until he is underground. So we might not be out of the woods even if Biden can put him away again, but we'll see. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, those, those technicalities are definitely there for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh look at that, who we got? What's going on? Visitor, who is this? Hello. <laughs> Very good. Too shy, too, too shy right now. <laughs> I understand. Sometimes I feel the same way. Um, this is the light in the mood. Oh, thank yes. you. We need it. Oh, there's the another, there's another one back there. Yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, that's that's all the time we have for the hour. And I want to make sure that people know uh, where they can follow you. Um, Nina, let's let's start with you. If you want to talk about your, the organization or where people can follow your work. Yes, we are somebody.org, a capacity building organization for working class people. Come on and join this. We got to demand better in 2024. Go to wearesomebody.org. I love it. Jackson. Yes, check me out on YouTube at uh, Politics and Paper, youtube.com slash at Politics and Paper. We got daily streams. I'm starting to do a lot more branching off into other things other than politics. One, because there's more to life than politics. And two, because we kind of need it. This year is going to be crazy. But the membership program is dedicated to community service and local politics. So go ahead and join me at Politics and Paper on YouTube. Nice, I love it. I'm gonna have to look into this uh, stuff in life outside of politics. I'm not familiar with it, but it sounds compelling. I'm gonna do some research. Life is short, man. We got to enjoy it as much as we can. John, I'm with you too. I'm going to have to do some research on that too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Coming up on the other side of the break, Jordan Ewell is going to be taking over. Mark Thompson will be here. Jenk Uger as well, so don't go anywhere. We got more coming up after this.